This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here, and I am a sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And today is August 6th, or actually it's August 7th of 2018, which feels like a long way from December 2nd of 2012. And uh, today... I have a number of things I want to share with you and a number of things to focus on. Uh, We're calling this episode, I'm calling this episode, Telling the Truth. Telling the Truth. Because I'm going to tell the truth about a lot of different things today and about my struggle with speaking my truth and telling the truth. If you are anything like me, when you start to struggle, you isolate. That's what I do. (laughs) I isolate. I shut myself off from people uh, that could possibly help me. I also shut myself off from people who um, might find out this truth that I'm holding or that I'm struggling, I should say. Um, And I start to just kind of internally berate myself. Like, why am I struggling? I should not be struggling. Or why is this still bothering me? Or why can't I get my shit together? Right? That's something I tell myself all the time. Um, And I just struggle with these different things. And then I start to isolate. And when I start to isolate, the next behavior that comes up for me is comparison. Because when I'm isolating, I'm not checking the thoughts that are going on in my head. And I need to be checking those thoughts in with other people. And when I'm not, then I start to compare myself. Um, The essay White Book says that we compare the... um, our insides with the outsides of others, right? And that is definitely what I do when I am in struggle mode, when I'm struggling. And then I start to isolate and then I start to compare my insides with what I see on the outside of other people, right? So stuff like, well, they can get it together. Why can't I get it together, right? Or they're dealing with so much more than I'm dealing with and they seem to be able to like keep it all together and I can't keep it all together or I can't make the progress that I see that that person is making or that person's relationship is what I want for my life. And then I start to compare, right? It's this whole like comparison thing. And the problem with comparison is what I talk about all the time is that comparison is the enemy of connection. And so then, right, I was isolating anyway. And then when I start to compare, I just isolate more because I don't want to connect with people when I'm comparing myself to them. I don't want to connect with them because... I'm comparing and that defeats the purpose of comparing. And so then I start isolating even more and it becomes this like cycle, right? This self-fulfilling cycle prophecy of 
I'm alone, I'm isolating, I'm struggling, I isolate some more, I look at other people and start to compare myself with them, and then I struggle even more because I'm comparing myself to other people, and I never measure up when I do that because I'm comparing my insides with their outsides, so then I struggle more, so then I isolate more, then I compare more, and it just becomes this like vicious cycle, right? And so for me, when we talk about like a shame spiral, or we talk about going under, right? That, that for me, that is that cycle. I'm struggling. I isolate. I compare. I struggle. I isolate. I compare. Struggle. Isolate. Compare. And it's like this downward spiral into the never-ending pit of shame. I, I couldn't think of something <laughs> to say there. So, but it's just this, like this never-ending spiral of shame and self-pity and all that good stuff, right? All that good stuff that we struggle with in addiction. And I would say that this is definitely not just an addiction thing, right? Um, I think a lot of people struggle with this shame spiral and it leads to a lot of negative behaviors that we adopt and it leads to a lot of like negative coping mechanisms because who wants to live in the never ending pit of shame? Not me. I don't want to live there at the bottom. And so we develop behaviors that help us well, we think that they help us. They don't really help us in the long run, but we develop these behaviors that help pull us out of that cycle. And for some people, that's addiction, right? Whether we develop an addiction to a substance, so we like alter the actual physical way that we feel. Maybe we develop um, an addiction to a behavior pattern uh, or a process like eating, right? Like if you don't want to be at the bottom of the pit, then you eat and fill that pit up with food, right? Like literally covering up those feelings or burying those feelings. I do that. Maybe it's a sexual addiction or relationship addiction because I want someone to rescue me from the bottom of the pit. And so I need to find a relationship of some sort. And a lot of times that for me start would start out as just a, you know, casual texting or um, online relationship and would a lot of times end in sexually acting out. Sometimes it was just sexually acting out. Um, sometimes it was shopping. Shopping is one that I can struggle with too, right? Um, but Or it's a substance, right? Some people drink. Some people use drugs. Um, some people gamble. I mean, there's just so many different ways that we act out. Some not so uh, addictive. Maybe we're just mean girls, right? Like maybe we just step on the toes of others and we become really, really... Um, mean and aggressive in getting our needs met or comparing ourselves to others or finding that validation that we need. Because when we're at the bottom of that shame spiral, we need some sort of validation. For some people, it's like um, over-religiosity, right? We become super involved in a religion or um, with God or spiritual in, in an attempt to, again, dig ourselves out. Dig's not the right word because we're already at the bottom of the of the shame spiral. So somehow get out of that shame spiral and we become obsessed with something. So there's a lot of different behaviors that we can use when we're at the bottom of that shame spiral. And again, for me, that process is like struggle, 
isolate so that no one knows that I'm struggling, start comparing myself. And then because I'm comparing, that's the enemy of connection. So then I'm struggling again with what I see when I compare to other people, which means I isolate more. I compare, struggle, isolate, compare all the way down to the bottom where I just feel like I can never get myself out or I'm never good enough, right? Or I'm never going to measure up. And it's this whole big shame spiral. So that is one of my processes that I go through. And I'm telling you that because I need to bring that to light and tell the truth about that, which is I've been there for a while. (laughs) I've been struggling with that whole comparison aspect and that like dig myself to the bottom of the hole for a little bit of time here. And I want to bring that out to the light and share it with you in the hopes that if that's where you are, then maybe you can start to dig your, you can start to pull yourself out of that bottom of the spiral. So let me tell you a few of the things that have been going on for me that have put me down there at the bottom. Okay. One is my mom died 10 months ago. And I feel like at 10 months ago, right, I should, I'm like using air quotes, you can't see me, but I am, like I should be over this or I should be a lot further along on the other side of getting better, of not having it affect me. And some days I am. Some days I feel really good and I'm doing really well. And then I start to feel guilty that I don't miss my mom enough, right? Like I, enough, again, that whole like arbitrary standard of whatever enough is. So some days I feel like I shouldn't miss her. Some days I feel like I don't miss her enough. And I sit in this like comparison mode, right? Like I have friends that have lost their mother even a little bit more recently than mine. And um, I, uh, I don't feel like she struggles as much as I'm struggling. <laughs> and so um, I, you know, and again, that's arbitrary because we haven't talked about this. It's this arbitrary standard that I put in my head that says I should be here at this X mark, right? I should be here along this process. And if someone's further along or less further along, then I start to compare myself, right? Rather than connect with people on where they are or see them as an example or help them if they're struggling, I compare. And I only go into comparison mode, I know for myself, when I am personally struggling with something. And then I go into comparison mode. And I start isolating myself and compare myself more. And so it's hard. It's super hard for me anyway. Um, So my mom, that's a big deal for me. Some days I feel like things are fine and I'm moving forward and I feel really good. Some days I see my friends struggle with things like I am probably going to have to put my parents in a home and I don't know if we can... Um, afford that. I don't know if they can afford that. I don't know, you know, kind of what's going on. And they watch their parents deteriorate. And some days I can say to myself, 
wow, that whole part of my life is over. I don't have to watch my parents deteriorate anymore. They're both gone. And I can think about the freedom that that brings for me in my own life. And then some days I listen to my friends talk about the exact same thing, right? Like exactly the same way. And I am just enraged inside. Like, why would they talk to me about that? They know that I don't have parents. They know that I miss my parents. You know, why would they even mention that, right? It's stupid, people. It's it's like my own it's my own struggle. Some days because they'll they're exactly the same and they're talking about exactly the same thing and I want them to share their lives with me because they're my friends. And yet I because of where I'm at struggle with that reaction. And then when I see myself struggling and I feel bad about that, what do I do? I isolate. And then I start comparing and then I isolate some more and then I struggle some more. And it's like this downward spiral and cycle. So one of the things that has caused me that is just this whole idea that my parents are gone and I'm still struggling with that grief, grief. I'm still struggling with grief. I'm still struggling. And as my therapist will say, like, it is okay to not be okay, you know? It is okay to not be okay with that. And it's okay to be struggling with that. But I have this arbitrary standard in my head that says it's not okay. Um, And so I have to work on that. Um, One of the things that I've been doing to try to work on that, because I always want in my podcast episodes to be able to share with you some tools or ideas or things that have helped me in trying to get through these things. Typically, I struggle with that too, right? Like I want to be able to be helpful. I don't want you to get on here and listen to me talk and be like, oh my gosh, there is no help, right? There is no way out of this or Amy is so depressing today. And that might be the case. That might be the case. I'll just put that out there. And it's my reality, right? It's telling my truth. So I want to put that out there. So that is one of the things I'm struggling with. Some of the things that have helped me is just to remind myself that it is okay to not be okay. I have to keep telling myself that over and over again. Also, um, another thing that has really helped me uh, is to... I have pictures. I have some pictures of my mom and my dad that has helped um, to just kind of remind myself about things. And in that idea of pictures, like I've consolidated, right? Like I used to have pictures all over my house and everywhere I would go, I would see these pictures and be like, oh, my mom, my dad. And, and I think I did it in an effort to remind myself that like my mom and dad are still with me, right? But that wasn't working for me. And so I had to kind of consolidate. So I took a lot of those pictures down. I took a lot of those kind of memory things down um, and consolidated them to one particular area. And that has really, really helped me to remind me that, yes, they are there. And yes, because I be- that's what I believe. You might not believe that and that's fine. Um, but that I believe that they are still around somewhere kind of that they, I can still communicate with them. Um, and that also I have a life to live and, uh, and I need to remind myself of that too, because otherwise I can get lost in this idea that everything is gone. And so I 
have consolidated those things. So that is one thing that I've been working on, um, that I've been struggling with. It's just this continuing grief process and the continual grief process that that brings kind of related to that. Um, I have been struggling with the fact that it's not just my mom and dad that I've lost. It's like my whole family. Um, I lost a home, right? I don't really have like, you know how like we always say it's good to go home. I don't really have a home. Um, and so that's, that's different. Also my, there's been some fracturing, I would say among my siblings. Um, and that has been a struggle to deal with, uh, to try to kind of work through. There's also, since my mom passed, my grandfather passed and, um, there's been some fracturing among my mom's, this was my mom's dad. There's been some fracturing among her extended family that has kind of, um, worked its way into our family a little bit. And so there's just been a lot of this kind of family like loss. Um, and realizing that, oh, I didn't want to get on here and just cry, man, I practiced this beforehand. So I wouldn't, and it's not working. Um, and so in losing my parents, right. And losing my home, Um, I've also lost things like holidays, um, holiday traditions that I had with a family who no longer want to uphold those traditions. And in some ways I'm super excited because there are other things I've wanted to do for holidays and other things I've wanted to, other people I've wanted to spend my time and my life with. And on, in other ways, I am just broken up about it. And so There's just a lot of loss and a lot of grief that comes along with this process that maybe I wasn't expecting. And I have been struggling with that, especially recently, um, which has caused me to isolate and then compare and then struggle more and then isolate some more and compare and struggle. You get it, right? Like, I think you get that cycle for me. So family, my parents, the loss of my mom, the loss of my entire family and and just the change of what that means. So that's been, that has been a struggle for me as well. And then I have also been struggling with some work issues. Um, I met with a friend this last weekend for lunch. She's so amazing. And she told me she's going through a massive change in her life. Um, she's having she just had her first little girl, first uh, child, and she's decided that she wants to stay home uh, full time with her with her little girl. And we were just talking about the like massive change that that requires in her mentality and outlook and life. She's always been one that's worked and always found a lot of value in that and uh, in trying to kind of redefine a little bit of herself and what she's doing and finding value and importance in what she's doing. And she used the term that she felt like she was in a stage of life where she was wandering, where she was trying to figure out kind of what, what that next phase is. And she's just kind of wandering and picking things up. And is this going to work for me or not? Or is this or that? And just kind of wandering around trying to redefine and figure some things out. And I really, really related to that term so much um, because, and as I thought about it in my life, you know, um, three years ago, it's three years ago this summer that I was laid off from a job, um, 
which was more like a strategic firing kind of, but <laughs> labeled as a, as a layoff. And, um, and I realized for the last three years, I have been a little bit in wandering mode and trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do and try to make things work and struggle with some of those really core um, beliefs about myself, negative, false, like core beliefs. Um, and I have been struggling with those for so many, for so long. Um, and on so many levels, I am so incredibly grateful for what has happened the last three years of my life. Since I was laid off, there was a little bit of a devastation period and a little bit of a like, what exactly am I going to do? And this, a lot of shame. I, um, I knew that they, anyway, it doesn't matter why I was going to go into that, but it doesn't really matter why, but I knew that I was being let go for specific reasons and trying to figure out, um, how much of that was me and how much of that was the circumstances and how much of that was the people around me. And if it was me, then I need to really own that and take responsibility and change and figure out what that was. And and so trying to figure all of that out and then going through this wandering period of what exactly am I going to do, then starting my own consulting business, which was great, but again, requires me to really challenge some of those faulty core beliefs that I have around my own value and what I bring and working for myself and my own lack of discipline or uh, where I need to put more of that. And then starting to podcast and putting myself out there as I am a recovering addict and this is my story and my life. And again, challenging a lot of those faulty core beliefs. And then my mom getting sick. Like it's just like the last three years have just been so impactful. Um, so many different things have been so impactful so impactful oh in who I am and what I'm doing today and what I feel is important and also the idea of just this wandering that I've been doing and trying to really focus on what I need and what I want my life to be going forward and then losing my mom in the middle of that and trying oh so many things but I really related to her idea of wandering because that's what I've been doing. And in the process of wandering and trying to figure things out, I have, in so, some days, I'm really good at giving myself some grace and saying, okay, we're just going to figure this out. And we're going to move forward and we're going to try it. And other days, I get in this shame cycle of, I'm 42. I shouldn't be wandering. I shouldn't be trying to figure things out by now. I should have it figured out, right? And I get in this struggle. I'm struggling with wandering. I'm struggling with money and finances and trying to make this work and trying to figure things out. And I'm struggling. And so I isolate and then I start comparing. I'm 42. I shouldn't be struggling with this. And then in the comparison mode, I struggle even more and I isolate and I struggle and I isolate and I struggle and I compare in that cycle. And then I dig myself down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. So that is the truth. That is one of the truths that I have is that the last three years, in addition to the grief that I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with the wandering, um, where I'm going, what exactly I'm doing, what my life is going to look like. I moved to Utah to be with my family and now my family is gone. 
so does that mean, what does that mean for me? Um, do I, do I want to stay here? Do I not? Do I want to go? I don't know. There's a lot of different questions that I'm struggling with. And so I'm putting this out there again and speaking the truth that I am struggling with where I'm at in my life. In so many ways, I love it. So many ways, I love everything about my life. And in so many ways, that is really where I'm at is really difficult for me as well. And so trying to hold both of those truths together of loving where I'm at and struggling with where I'm at at the same time and understanding that that's just part of the process, right? That's just part of the process. And I need to allow myself to enjoy that process more. I want to. I don't need to. I want to allow myself to enjoy that process more and be more accepting of where I'm at. And knowing that I have turned my life over to the care of a higher power, right? That's what step three tells me is that I've turned my life over to a care of a higher power, care of a higher power. And that that I, as long as I continue to stay sober and have that relationship and seek the guidance of my higher power, I will be okay. And so that's one of the things that I do to really try to help me get through this idea is remind myself of that step that I've worked and continually have to work, um, that I have turned my life over to the care of a higher power. And continuing working step 11, which is finding time to have conscious contact with that higher power, seeking only his will and the power to carry that out. So I'm working on that. Oh, so I'm working on that. Okay. So family, grief, just the wandering of where I'm at in my life right now. So those are the things that I am struggling with that have just kind of burrowed me down into the ground. Now, I want to end today with a story about telling the truth. Because I think that in recovery, one of the things that recovery has taught me is um, to tell the truth, is to be rigorously honest. And um, one of the things that I've learned from Kristen Bell, if you've ever, if you know who Kristen Bell is, she's an actress. But I watched an interview once that she did where she said that her therapist said that telling the truth without compassion is just brutality. Um, that we don't just tell the truth to tell to to tell the truth, right? Like we don't. Um, I've heard therapists use that like the zipper belongs on the inside of someone, right? So it's not my job to unzip someone and to ruin their lives or tell them all of the truth, tell them everything without some compassion or without some understanding or without some empathy. Um, and that if we do, if we just tell the truth just to be true, you know, just to say that we told the truth, uh, then we're being brutal. We're not really being compassionate or empathetic. Um, it just because I see something about someone doesn't mean that it's my obligation to go and tell them everything. Um, I've had that happen to me where I didn't see something about my life, um, or a struggle that I had and my therapist did. And 
Well, I should say he wasn't my therapist at the time, <laughs> but we did an interview. I did an interview with a therapist that I used to see, uh, Aaron Glade. And in the middle of that, ther- of that interview, we were talking about like the gender issues between a male therapist and a female client. And he asked me the question, um, did I think that, you know, it would like my recovery would have happened if I would have started with a female, cl- with the female therapist. And I said, no, I don't think it would have been the same. And I had some reasons. And I said, what about you? Do you think it would have been the same? And he goes, no, because you have um, female abandonment issues. And he just kind of went off on this thing. And I was like, I have what? Like, I, I, I had no idea that I had like abandonment and attachment. He had, he said attachment disorder. And I had at that time in my life did not know that I had any kind of attachment disorder. And I remember getting back to my therapist and being like, so apparently I have an attachment disorder. And she was like, well, uh, yeah, why? And I was like, uh, I don't even know what that is. And I felt really like exposed. And, um, and I know that Aaron didn't mean to do it in the way that he like, he didn't, I'm I'm assuming because I know Aaron and I have a relationship with him that he had no idea that that would impact me the way it did. Um, but I felt really exposed and I felt like unzipped, right? Like someone knew something about me and I didn't know that. And then they told me in a way that wasn't helpful in the moment. In the long run it was, but it was really a difficult thing for me to kind of work through. And so I'm always sensitive when I'm telling the truth or speaking my truth to people that I don't want to unzip people, right? So these are the some of the struggles that I've been struggling with in, in truth, Um, And I want to share with you something that happened last week. So last week, my family got together, my siblings got together for the first time since my mom's funeral. And uh, it was really difficult. It was really good in a lot of ways. I'm counting it as a success. We, there was no major arguments. No one left crying. No one exploded. Uh, We took pictures and everyone was smiling. Um... So I'm counting it as a, as a success. We got through. And I'm hoping that it's uh, the first step of maybe some reunification within my family. But that has yet to be kind of determined. But I am, was grateful for that. On the drive home, we went, we went camping. And on the drive home, when I had my two sisters in my car. And so like some of the truth about my family is all three sisters in my family are single and all three brothers in my family are married. And if you're familiar with the work of Kelly McDaniels, she will say that that's significant, that that means something. Um, also, all three of my sisters, for like the majority of our family existence, the three girls have always lived out of state. And the three boys have always lived close to my parents. And again, I think that's significant because that's a little bit opposite of what normally happens. But until I moved to Utah five years ago, the three girls have always lived out of state and the three boys have always lived close to my parents. So there you go. There's some information about my family. Um, So we got together and we were driving home and one of my sisters said, why are the opinions of our brothers so extreme? Because my, that's very, that's a very true statement. My brothers have very extreme opinions. 
And honestly, I think that's part of that like extreme black and white living and thinking that we develop an addiction. I'm not saying my brothers are addicts, but I'm saying that I grew up in a family where a lot of the um, addictive thought patterns or mindsets that we have was very predominant. Um, And so some of us, I don't know. I know I developed an addiction. That's all I know for sure. Um, But it would not surprise me if I have siblings that have addictive tendencies in some way or another. So um, so my sisters were kind of talking a little bit about it and they directly, I was a little bit disengaged in the conversation because I have a lot of truth to tell and I wasn't sure when was the right time to share this truth. And so I didn't say much. And then when they directly asked me like, what do I think? And so I said, well, um, and I just started talking <laughs> about my brothers and some of the issues that I see with them and some of the issues I see with us as some of the women in our family. And we got talking a lot about things, um, that within our family growing up, we talked about some of the really, um, covert sexism, um, that was displayed within my family. We talked about, uh, a lot of the lack of information we had growing up as, as a family. Um, and we, we talked about so many things I couldn't even explain them all. Um, and I really felt like it was a mutual conversation. Like I wasn't lecturing. Um, and then the opportunity came to share some things about my parents. And for so long, I have been the secret keeper in my family, um, about my parents and their status of their relationship and some of the things going on there. Um, and then I got to also have the opportunity to speak a little bit more about my truth, um, how I experience, how I experienced our family growing up and how I've experienced my relationships with my sisters and with my brothers. And it was really difficult. I'll tell you that it was really difficult to speak some of that truth. And yet at the same time, it was so amazing. Um, we talked about how our relationships with our parents were all very, very different. Um, I shared some truth about just my relationship with my dad that was so much different than their relationships with our dad. Um, and I had one sister who just totally accepted all of it and was very willing to listen to it. I had one sister who tried to argue with me a little bit and yet couldn't really find examples um, to argue from. And so ended up frustrated because she didn't want to believe what I was saying. I could tell and, but also couldn't counteract it. That was difficult for her. Um, And I felt a little bit bad that I maybe had unzipped her a little bit and, and wasn't being compassionate about it. And, and then I was able to share some truth about just my life. Um, that within my family, I don't really feel like my family really cares about me. Um, or that, uh, again, that my relationship with my parents was so different and that, my, my parents' relationship was a lot more strained and a lot difficult than they knew about. And at one point in time, I stopped and I said, if you don't want to know this information, then you can stop me. If you don't want to know the truth, then you can stop me. And no one stopped me, but I could tell that they were kind of getting a little 
maybe it uh, flooded, a little overwhelmed, so I stopped. And I circled back maybe an hour later and shared a little bit more about how I just wanted to clarify a few things um, about our relationship and how much I care about my family and different things like that. Anyway, I don't want to share too much. I just feel like uh, that's part of the story is theirs and I don't want to tell their story. I only want to tell mine. But I want to tell this about telling the truth. Um, For about three days afterwards, I had this amazing physical and emotional uh, experience of lightness, of, um, of just how amazing it was to speak the truth and how awesome it was to just put it out there and not have to and not be the secret keeper and not worry about things. Did I tell them everything? No. Did I tell them, you know, more than I had ever planned? Yes. Um, but I had this amazing emotional and physical reaction of just being ready to take on the world and feeling like this sounds really weird, but feeling physically smaller. Like I didn't have to somehow hold space in my body or in my emotional life for all of this, these, these uh, secrets that I keep or this truth that I don't speak. Somehow in speaking the truth, I felt physically lighter and smaller. Like I don't have to keep this hidden inside anymore. I can speak it. And for about three days, I felt that. And it was amazing, people. Like, it was so amazing. I honestly felt this huge barrier and wall come down for so many different things in my life. And just this, all these possibilities opened up. And the world was not going, like, the I was coming for the world. Like, I can't even explain it. I just felt ready to take on the entire world. And my life was going to change. And things were going to be so different. And things were going to be awesome. And I wrote and wrote and wrote and I talked to people about it and I told them how amazing I felt and it was awesome. And then, and then, and then the lies started again, of which is like, how do you know that's your truth? Is that really the truth? Are you just making that up? Is that just your interpretation? You know, you damaged these people. Maybe your sisters are now forever scarred in their relationships with their parents because you told the truth that you didn't have a right to. And on and on and on and on and on for the last three days. I've been struggling with this idea of what is truth? Did I have a right to speak that? Do I have a right to speak my truth? And I have just been struggling for the last three days, which in you know, in terms of this cycle, I struggle and then I isolate and then I compare and then I struggle and I isolate and compare. And I'm in that circle uh freaking again and I'm tired of it. So I can't even breathe because I have so many tears coming down my face. Okay, so point. The point of all of this today is, number one, I am, (laughs) I can't even say it. Number one, I made a sign and put it up in my office today that says I have a right to speak my truth. 
And so I want to tell you that today. You have a right to speak your truth. Whatever your truth is, you have a right to speak that. Now, I've also added, like, I have a right to speak my truth compassionately. I don't want to unzip people. I don't want to ruin people's lives. I don't want to share information with people that they don't want. Or they aren't willing to hear, right? And if that's the case, I still have a right to speak my truth. I just need to make sure that it's done with people who are compassionate. So, I have a right to speak my truth. You have a right to speak your truth. Whatever that truth is. If the truth is that you're struggling and you're in the bottom of a shame spiral, yeah, me too. So, I'm going to work to pull myself out of that. And to stop comparing myself. And one of the ways that that starts is by speaking the truth. So here I am speaking my truth today. So that's number one. You have a right to speak your truth. Number two. Just because other people maybe don't agree with your truth does not mean it's not true. Right? That was a long way to say that. But... um. Others agreeing with you does not, others dis, I should say, others disagreeing with you does not invalidate your truth, right? Your truth is your truth. People may agree with you, they may not. And that doesn't change the fact that it is true for you. That doesn't change for you, that is true. So growing up in my family, my two sisters, my dad adored my two sisters and they both have They both have cute nicknames that my dad gave them and and called them their entire lives. My dad went and visited them at college when they were away at college multiple times. Um, they had a really, really great relationship with my dad. I didn't. I don't have a nickname. My dad never came to visit me. My dad never wrote me fun letters like he did with them. Um... I have a couple things that my dad tried to share with me and it wasn't that he was totally neglectful of me, but it was just a much different relationship. And there were a lot of circumstances on why um, that I, that feel true to me. I've never checked those in with my dad because he's passed and I don't know, but they feel true to me and they explain a lot of things in my life. I shared some of that with my sisters who don't agree with me. And, uh, or I should say, I shouldn't say they don't agree with me. Um, it felt like they didn't agree with me. Uh, and they had never really thought about the differences in our relationships. And I think it was really difficult for them. And just because they don't agree doesn't mean that that's not my truth. And so same for you. Just because people maybe don't agree with you doesn't mean that it's not your truth, right? So you have a right to speak your truth and just because people don't agree doesn't invalidate, that's number two, doesn't invalidate your own truth, right? That's, that's, that's reality right there. And the same for other people, just because you don't agree with them doesn't necessarily invalidate their truth, right? Their experiences and the way that they, things happen for them may be different than what you had thought or anticipated, 
And that's why it's important that we listen to each other and try to understand each other, even when we maybe don't agree with how they're interpreting things. Because we don't really know what's going on in their brain. And so we have to be able to listen to other people. And third, this has been my experience. That when we hold truth in ourselves too long, without speaking it, without sharing it, without having someone know that truth about us, Um, or without checking that in with other people, that can become toxic. And we need to be able to speak and share our stories and our truths with other people. And when we don't do that, it can become toxic. Um, And so I was really grateful. I'm sitting here now, you know, three days ago, I felt this physical and emotional release from speaking the truth. Um, and I felt a spiritual release too, I would say. It was this confirmation that speaking my truth was needed to happen in my life more. And here I am three days later, um, beating myself up about it. (laughs) And so it's important that we speak the truth and we continue to speak the truth. When I texted my friend and was like, I don't, how do I get out of this? Like, I am stuck in this whole cycle of, you know, shaming myself about speaking the truth. And her advice was, speak the truth more often. Do it every day. Whether people believe you, whether people are listening, it doesn't matter. In your car, driving around, whatever you need to do, start speaking the truth more and more often. And... I was so grateful for that because that's what prompted me to record this podcast episode about speaking our truths. So speak the truth more often. If you hold it inside too long, it becomes toxic to us. We have to speak the truth. When we hold it in too long and we're not speaking the truth, we're holding secrets. We're holding secrets about ourselves, And when we hold secrets about ourselves. It starts to become toxic to us because we're not meant to be alone and isolated by ourselves. We're meant to connect with other people, right? Brene Brown tells us we're hardwired for connection. And so when we're not connecting with other people, when we're holding secrets, then it becomes toxic. So today, my goal in sharing this with you is one, that you will not feel alone in speaking your truth. And number two, that if you're struggling with a shame spiral and a cycle today, that know that you're not alone in that either. (laughs) That we all struggle with that sometimes. And we've got to figure out our own ways to pull ourselves out of that. And one of the ways to pull ourselves out is to speak the truth. Speak the truth about what you're struggling with. Share it with other people. Don't isolate. um, But really put that out there. I hope that this was helpful for you today because <laughs> because it's been helpful for me to put it out there and to put my truth out there and to put out what's going on in my life. I, I hear from so many of you all the time about the episodes that are helpful for you and that really resonate with you and that really 
help you in your recoveries and in your lives. And I'm so grateful for that. And just speaking the truth about my own recovery and my own story has done more for my own healing than I can even express. And I feel that today. I feel that today right now as I'm speaking this truth that I'm going to pull myself out of this cycle that I'm in right now and that things are going to get better. I can feel that. So I hope that no matter where you are today, no matter what's going on for you, no matter how far you think you've gone down the recovery road or the addiction path, no matter if you're hitting, sitting on rock bottom or you feel like you got another rock bottom that you're headed towards, no matter if you're at the bottom of a shame spiral that you've dug down in, burrowed in yourself, no matter where you're at, even if you're 20 years sober today, you are worth recovery. You're 100% worth it. All the way recovery too. Not just like half asset, but like 100% recovery. That is what you are worth. Every single one of you. I know that. That is truth. That is truth. So I hope that today you feel that as well. Oh, okay. I... Reminder, we do have some events coming up. Uh, Buffalo, New York, just in two weeks. And Atlanta, Georgia in three weeks. And Seattle at the end of September. So I hope to see you at one of those uh, where you could come and speak your truth. Remember that I think about you and I pray for you and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.